This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 331, Periodic Table of Abundance, Part 2, Money Team, Family Finance, and Estate Planning. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode. Welcome back to our mini-series on the periodic table of financial abundance. If you haven't already heard it, go back and listen to last week's episode, where we kick off the series and describe what this periodic table of abundance is all about. Each episode in this eight-part mini-series is going to be digging deep into the essential elements in your financial universe. So we'll be describing each one and talk about how you might be able to use it to improve your overall financial life, your financial periodic table. And now not just this week, but this year and even beyond. So last week we had a mindset episode discussing how you can truly scale up your mindset, thinking bigger, having that prerogative and that expectation of health, healthy growth really in your financial life. Crucial, elemental really to success in the financial picture. We also talked about the tools necessary to overcome adversity and what it takes to use adversity, almost use it as a motivation and even a fuel for achieving your potential in your financial life. So last week was all about mindset, which is crucial. But we're not just brains living in some jar somewhere. We're part of a social fabric, a network. And who we spend time with is typically who we become. For example, oftentimes friends who spend time together will have similar body mass indexes. They'll have similar eating habits, similar exercise habits, and more. They might share a similar lifestyle choice or a career choice or even hobbies and interests. Friends who spend time together are, are even going to have similar income levels or spending habits or investment choices. So you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So what about your financial network? And what do I mean by a financial network? What I mean is your money team. Your money team are the people who are on your side, working and helping you reach your goals. Now, there's almost an infinite number of financial professionals with designations across the universe of money. And many of these designations are financial professionals, really, who are ready to serve you. For example, a certified public accountant is someone who can provide tax planning and preparation services for you. An estate planning attorney can help you create a will or a trust or other estate planning documents. An insurance agent can help you find the right insurance policies, including life insurance, but also health insurance and disability and long-term care insurance. And then there's property and casualty insurance agents who can help you think about your home, protecting that, or insuring your cars or other property, as well as liabilities to make sure that you have workers' comp set up, and maybe an umbrella policy if something should happen. And don't forget a mortgage broker. And don't forget the real estate agent to go along with it. I mean, all these people can help provide guidance, negotiate your deals for you, and so forth. You can also include an investment advisor if you have substantial investments tied to the market, like a portfolio manager, that sort of thing. Now watch out for a number of issues that will come with this, as we've described in other episodes, including fees and market volatility, but it's still crucial to have someone on your side of the table who's helping you meet your goals. But at the core of all this team 
is often the certified financial planner, someone who can serve as sort of a quarterback for you. Now, ultimately, you are the leader of your own money team because we're all here to serve you. No one should care more about your money than you do. But it's important to think about who you have on your money team beyond yourself. If all that felt sort of overwhelming, I suppose that's probably the right reaction. Most people get overwhelmed just trying to pick somebody to mow their lawn for them. So it certainly takes a lot of research and time to build this money team, but I'm promising you it's well worth it. And it's why it's one of the core elements in our financial universe. So one thing that can make this project of building a money team a lot easier is to know who you're looking for. What kind of characteristics or personalities do you work best with? Let's take just a minute and talk about some of the characteristics you'd want to look for. And then uh, for a few minutes, I'll talk about some of the personality types you might want to avoid. So first of all, financial professionals are really there to help you manage your financial universe. So I suggest looking for people that exhibit a few core qualities. For example, trustworthiness. Somebody who has a strong ethical foundation is acting in your best interest. They're going to have good communication skills because honestly, effective communication is crucial when it's something as complex as finances. You really need someone who can explain that complexity in a way that you can understand. Uh, They should be able to generally bring things down the ladder for you a few notches, help explain financial concepts in a way that makes sense for you. Next up, you want them to have empathy. You want them to have understanding. This is something that even the best AI at this point cannot do, uh, is to have empathy and understanding. Uh, But your money team should be able to understand you, be able to understand your unique financial goals and situation. In addition to empathy, we also need patience, some patience typically. So financial decisions on your financial life can be very complex, can be sort of stressful. Certainly somebody is going to need to have problem solving skills, help you overcome the problems maybe that's in your life financially to get you to your goals. And I believe that a financial professional must have in their bones the belief, the core belief that we have agency in our life. And I know that sounds sort of vague, but does this person believe that your life can be improved on with effort and interest and attention? I mean, there's so much more, like a commitment to continuous learning, a growth mindset, uh, someone who fits within your work style and your personality type. But this is probably a short list, enough for this podcast anyway. On the other side of the coin, it's important to be aware of some of the red flags you should really avoid when putting together your money team. Now, this can be tricky because sometimes we really bring people into our money team without knowing necessarily how that person is going to engage us or really interact with us. We just kind of have to keep our eye out for it. And, you know, in your interactions with your money team, how does it feel working with that person? For example, if they show signs of holding back information or if there's a sense of a lack of transparency in their communication or in their fees, that should be a warning sign. Or if you're feeling high pressure sales tactics that you are being leveraged a bit against, if if they're forcing you to make quick decisions without you really understanding what's going on, that might be a red flag. Now, if the financial expert is always hard to get a hold of or even never available, that might be a concern too. Now, I got to say on the other side of the ledger here, you don't want someone who's infinitely available either. If they're always picking up the phone after the very first ring, it might mean they have no one else to work with and and have poor service skills. So generally, if you're sensing that this financial professional is pushing you into something that you don't want, 
whether making you feel shame or fear, you might be best served to look elsewhere. Now, at the end of the day, no one should care more about your money than you do. So don't look for someone to take over your money and just let it be theirs. Don't let them just handle it, right? You cannot just hand off your money. You are the CEO of your own life. So this means you must, must always be the one who takes ultimate leadership and responsibility of your financial life. It'll help keep you out of a lot of trouble. Yes, you're going to need a team of, I think, diverse perspectives. Or like Abraham Lincoln's administration, you might need a team of rivals, as it's been referred to, to get a diverse sense of perspectives in your financial life. So if you want to learn even more about this financial element, go back and check out these episodes. Uh, First, episode 122, we talk about being your last money guru. And then episode 159, why work with a bank on yourself professional? That's a key Uh, episode in our series. So go back and check out episode 159 and also episode 122. Now, while there's so much more on this element, I've got to move on in the interest of time to the next, the family finance element. Now, while it's no secret that stress has a big negative impact on families, uh, I might as well go over it here. Money is the second leading cause of divorce behind infidelity. And almost a third of married and long-term relationship partners report that money is a major source of conflict in their relationship. Guys, that's almost a third of us. So not only do you have some of the biggest projects of your life that you now have to share with your partner, like retirement or paying for the kids or, or for the kids' college, uh, but you you now may have been you might have even been settled with a bunch of debt that either spouse may have brought into the marriage. Or maybe the debt's been accumulating within the family for years. Could be credit card debt and and card loans and that sort of thing. So the element of family finance is crucial, not only to learn how to communicate with each other, but to offer a unique financial strategy that can help revolutionize how families interact with each other. In fact, the family finance element can really be the part that builds deep foundations of abiding love and connection. It can even change your family tree for generations to come. For example, what if you had a family cash reserve, a big pile of money that your family could use for all the needs of the entire family? What if your family members all knew how to talk about money in a respectful and productive way? What if your family coordinated its entire financial efforts as a family to develop resiliency in a world full of uncertainty? Well, you don't need to be the Rockefellers or the Vanderbilts or the Medici family to develop this financial element in your life. It can be done for all of us. You can do this now, and it could be the start of something that could last three or even 10 generations or even longer. But I don't want to get too carried away just yet. Here is sort of some of the basic block and tackle tips for this particular financial element, family finance. So first, why not start with open and honest communication? So maybe this means having regular family money meetings that you set up to discuss your finances. When doing this, I'm going to suggest that you make it a safe place where everybody can share openly, share their thoughts. My wife and I had regular budget conversations at a local ice cream shop, which gave us the chance to openly share while eating a delicious treat. So don't forget to use all the same skills that you learned at work in these meetings. Uh, For example, kindness, active listening skills, problem-solving mindset approaches, and lots more. So next, create a household budget. That's the first step here. I'd say, you know, that's the basic block and tackle tool is the family household budget. This means looking forward to the month ahead, not just reconciling last month's spending. 
So budgeting is about looking forward, not backward. Although you can look in the past and be informed about what's happening today and in the future, learning to monitor and adjust and make corrections is part of what brings you back and once again and once again, month after month to the money conversation table over and over again. Yes, yes, that's right. Budgets are not set in stone. It's not a one and done thing. You're going to keep changing this budget over time, and that means communication. Life situations change. Your priorities change as well. So next, you might set up a financial education night for your family. This could be fun. It could be a kind of a low-key, learn how to love playing money games like the Cash Flow for Kids game or Payday or Monopoly Junior. Even if you've got a kid who's just three or four years old, Monopoly Junior. My my daughter beats me at that even, she, even in the first time she played it. So sometimes having a referee in the family finance arena can help here. And while your financial team, your money team, is not supposed to be like a marriage counselor or anything, you can certainly hash things out, work things out uh, in a positive and healthy way in front of a money coach of some kind. So having a good financial money team is going to be you know, key to helping you reach your family's needs and goals. Next, remember to regularly celebrate financial milestones as a family. Notice when things are going well. Reinforce the good. There's going to be plenty of negative to go around. If you want to look for the negative, you can find it. But find ways to celebrate and reinforce the good. Um, Maybe it's being there for an emotional support during tough economic times as a family. Remember, your family is on your side. You're on the same team. So let's meet the Smith family here, which spans three generations, let's say. Let's say they have an annual tradition to meet together and review their portfolio of bank-on-yourself type whole life insurance policies. So for the Smiths, these meetings are not only serving as a financial update on where things are at and what the dividend was, but it's something the whole family cherishes and reinforces their commitment to each other for financial unity. They're carefully using their policies revolving around their bank-on-yourself cash values to fulfill their family goals. All right, so during this annual session, the Smiths will dive into their life insurance policies, explore the wealth that's been accumulated over the years. They've recognized now that the whole life insurance is offering a unique opportunity to build wealth while ensuring financial protection. They view these policies not just as insurance, which is it is going to be that, certainly, but as a multi-generational wealth-building tool. So one year, their discussion centers in on Johnny, This is their youngest family member. Now, the Smiths recognize that he's going to need a reliable car for his daily commute back and forth. Now, instead of him going out and getting a car loan, the family decides to tap into the cash value of their life insurance policies. The policy loan is going to offer favorable terms, low interest rates, minimal paperwork, and makes everything super convenient for Johnny, but also for the whole family. So they're also going to set up a reasonable repayment plan for Johnny to pay the family back. Why? Well, if he doesn't pay the loan off, there's terms in the conditions there of the family loan that he cannot borrow from the family again until he gets that first loan paid off. And yes, they're even going to charge a little interest because Johnny, of course, will benefit and profit being that he's an owner in this family as well. So when he's charged a little interest, he and the rest of the family benefits. So in another meeting, the Smiths discuss an exciting real estate opportunity, let's say. They recognize the the potential for long-term financial growth in this venture of real estate, and they decide to use some of their accumulated cash value from their policies to invest together. The shared investment, 
not only fosters financial growth, but it strengthens the family's bond, gets them working toward a common goal. The Smiths appreciate that their whole life insurance policy provides a financial safety net while enabling them to realize many of their dreams. These policies have accumulated and they've become very flexible uh, as far as good times and bad times go in their family life. Their cash value continues to grow without taxes due every year. The family understands that there's a wise use of the policy loans and there's a foolish use of the policy loans. We're not going to just be using these policies to go gamble. We're going to be using them to make sure that the wealth remains in the family and the death benefit remains intact for future generations, making sure that their family has a legacy that can last for generations. So for this family, for the Smith family anyway, these annual meetings are not just about money. They're really about helping to create a legacy of financial responsibility, unity within the family, empowerment within the family. They recognize that these whole life policies are going to be continuing to support their family's aspirations for generations to come. Now, if that sounds like a family you'd like to be a part of, I'm not sure if they're adopting, but you can create this for yourself. Start with a budget with your spouse. If it's if that's all you can do, start there. But then build on that. How could you have a conversation that leads to something like that picture I just painted of the Smith family? If you want even more insight into this idea, check out episode 295 and episode 105 104 and 102. Those are a great little playlist that you could listen to, not only yourself, but also with your family. Maybe some family members would like to be a part of these episodes and learn from this as well. So take a moment and think about how you might be able to implement the family finance element into your financial life this week. Pause the episode if you have to, and then move on with me to the next element, estate planning. Okay, estate planning, the third and final element in this week. A well-crafted estate plan is essential for everybody not just the super high net worth individuals. It's about making sure that your wishes and dreams are carried out, that your loved ones are provided for, that your stuff, all the stuff you've built up in life is efficiently managed and you can pass it on in the right ways. Now, why should your dreams of a better world, a loving family, a better future stop just because your heart stopped beating one day? Well, what does it actually take to create an estate plan? Well, very simple. There's just a few pieces of paper is all it takes. And yet it's so much more than that. It's about your dreams and hopes and desires. It's central to your very life, but you don't have to be overwhelmed. You can typically spend basically an afternoon, maybe with your spouse or your family to figure out exactly what you want, maybe over just coffee in about an hour and a half or so. So some of the key elements of a good estate plan would be a will, which is essentially a legal document that specifies how you want your assets to be passed out after you pass away. And this is going to help determine who gets what, specific possessions, guardian for your minor children, an executor to manage your estate. Without that document, it's really up to a court of law to decide who gets your stuff, which is, in my opinion, not a great option. Beyond a will, there's also trusts and other ways to manage your assets, um, almost as if they are the legal version of you. Think of it like a legal shadow or a clone that can help give you more specific control over when and what uh, assets are going to be distributed. This might also help you avoid probate. It might reduce some estate taxes and it'll help protect your assets too for, for loved ones. Uh, a trust really can help benefit you even if you have just a nominal net worth and you can set up something like a revocable living trust that can help you avoid a lot of the pain of probate. Make sure there's smooth transitions to 
the next generation of all your life's work and accomplishments. So beyond all this, there are some other important elements of estate planning, which I'll mention briefly here, a power of attorney, a healthcare proxy, uh, and making sure that you've set up all the financial accounts in your life correctly with beneficiaries set up properly. So this is a big missing piece uh, that many people have in their lives. It can have dramatic implications. In fact, it happens more often than you realize. There was a man in Florida recently who died without updating his life insurance policy. And so his ex-wife, that's right, his ex-wife received $1 million while his current wife and children got exactly nothing. Youch. Another woman in New Jersey in 2019 passed away without changing her retirement account beneficiaries. So her ex-spouse received $400,000 while her parents were caring for a disabled son and got nothing at all. Oh my goodness. It's heartbreaking. In many ways, building an estate plan, again, regardless of your net worth, can help you get that peace of mind. It can help give you that sense that, hey, you're dealing with the family conflicts before they happen on this side of the grave. So, you know, and really on the other side of the grave as well, it simplifies your transfer process. Candidly, it's the most considerate way to love your family as it's going to be the final thing they remember about you. Let that sink in for a minute. You don't want the last thing that they remember about you to be a painful experience. As we wrap up today, all three elements really focus in on the the core, which is your money team, the other people involved in your money. This would be your professional team, the financial professionals, your family, and of course, creating an estate plan to leave your legacy to whoever, or in the case of a charity, whatever you might want to do after you pass away. All three of these elements help ensure that you are not alone in your financial life. So quickly, here are some practical steps that can help you take some control of your financial future in these arenas. First, when choosing a financial professional, prioritize trustworthiness, their qualifications and communication style, and their alignment with your goals. Ask for referrals from friends and family. That's a great starting point. Take your time, ask key questions. You know, since your choice for a money team will have a big impact on your financial well-being. Next, include your family in your financial life. Realize that everyone in your family has a different approach here. And, you know, I honestly, it always seems strange when I hear a husband and wife don't share any of their financial plans together. I get it. There's plenty of reasons to do this, but wouldn't it be great if there was a way for you to work together on some common goals, not just splitting the bills. I mean, I encourage you to take baby steps here if you have to, but schedule a meeting regularly with your spouse maybe even your larger family, and just discuss goals and challenges. Maybe include your children in age-appropriate ways in these financial discussions. Have and celebrate milestones too. Maybe you, like the Smith family, decide to incorporate a portfolio of bank-on-yourself type whole life policies that you can use, like a bank uh, that the family can draw on in good times and in hard times. And finally, think about your estate plan. Do you have a will, a power of attorney, healthcare directives written up? These can really be, you know, fairly inexpensive. You can even do them sometimes for free online if you know the right places to go. And I would recommend, though, that you take it to an attorney to confirm it's all legitimate and there's no holes in it, certainly. So that's what I would suggest. Get at least those things lined up for your estate plan. Start today by taking ownership of your financial life. Incorporate other people that you trust into your money game. Remember, your financial well-being is not just about money It's about creating a secure, fulfilling life for yourself, for your loved ones, 
So when you take these steps to heart, your financial journey is going to be one of true empowerment, security, and unity with people you love. Imagine how it's going to feel to not just be riding through this financial journey alone, but you've got a team of people that you truly trust implicitly. That's what I hope for you and I hope for your year this year. So that's it for this week's episode. Next week, we're going to get into more details about where the money should go and specifically some sneak peek here about liquidity and cash flow. So get ready for that episode. But for this week, thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live differently with your money, your money team, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.